It's a privilege to spend these few moments engaging God's word for you. As Sue mentioned, we're in a sermon series called A New Thing, week two of six. And this week we engage one of the three pastoral letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. They're known as the pastoral letters. And so in the message text that we'll hear in just a few minutes, Paul encourages whom he has been mentoring, who he's been cheerleading on, young Timothy, right, to hold firm to the faithfulness of God and be encouraged and be guided by Paul's example in his life, in his ministry, in his preaching, in his service. He wants Timothy to emulate that, not so Paul can get a plaque on the wall, but because he knows that Timothy will then mentor others, and they will mentor others. He wants Timothy to keep following Jesus and to proclaim the core and truth and hope of the gospel. And we're going to explore that in a little bit later today. What is the core of the gospel and what does it mean for each of us here today? Be faithful to the gospel, Paul wants Timothy to be. The sacred writings, as the ESV translates it, or the Holy Scriptures, as the NIV translates it. Be faithful to God's word, which points Timothy and us, friends, to salvation in Jesus Christ through faith. That's the core right there. Is your hand in the hand of the good shepherd? And so I want to just set the context of 2 Timothy for you. Just take a minute. The context in which we hear this sacred word, this holy scripture to us today. Timothy is in Ephesus. Paul had been to Ephesus a number of times. And Timothy is, is there in the church of Ephesus. And by the way, 2 Timothy is the last words that Paul will write. Obviously inspired by God, but it's Paul's last will and testament. This occurs after his fourth missionary journey. He has been imprisoned a second time in Rome, awaiting trial under the emperor Nero. So let's say 65 AD, just a few years ago, right? 65 AD, the first century is well on its way. False teachers are starting to proclaim a different truth, a different gospel in the church. Godlessness is on the rise. There's nothing new under the sun, friends. In the church, as well as in society. And yet, Paul has confidence that the one who in the past had rescued him from death would rescue him through death to eternal life. Let me say that again. I really believe that Paul has confidence that the one who in the past had rescued him from death would rescue him through death for eternal life. So how do you handle times and seasons of transition? Everybody vote for that? We want change. We want transition. We want something to be different. 
And certainly this season of transition at Good Shepherd isn't your first time through any season of transition. Some of you have been through transitions here at Good Shepherd before, right? So this isn't your first rodeo. And yet, we all deal with change and transition and uncertainty differently. And so... Be honest with God or your small group or your life group or your friend or your spouse. Be honest with how you're really doing. How does it really feel to be in this time? And as Sue mentioned, each week our scripture reading will be from Isaiah 43, 16 to 21. And yet, let me show two more verses from that that Sue just read. I think it's so important to be reminded from God. What is God telling us? See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Friends, God has not gone on vacation. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. I mean, sometimes we feel like God is on vacation. He seems to not answer us when we want it, what we want. But God is not on vacation. And so as we reflect on our season of transition here at Good Shepherd, we all the while keep asking the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us as we seek to be on mission, which, by the way, you all know our mission statement, right? Right? (laughs) To invite everyone to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family. Repeat this after me. To invite everyone to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family. That's where God has called us. That's what we are to be about. We need the Holy Spirit's help to point people to Jesus to remember to point ourselves to the saving good news of the gospel, to preach, to remind ourselves of the gospel each and every day that God gives us, that Jesus loves us, Jesus died for us, Jesus is alive for us, and he invites us into his forever family through faith. Friends, this last week I was on Facebook. Now, I'm not on Facebook all the time. But I was on Facebook and learned of Pastor Charles Stanley's death and and saw his son's post, Andy Stanley. And he said this, These final few weeks with my dad have been precious beyond words. At the end of every visit, he asked me to pray for him, which of course I did, on my knees beside the big leather chair he was confined to for the past several months. But as I was leaving his house this past Saturday, Saturday a week ago, He asked if he could pray for me, as if he knew. Then, as was his habit, he said, I couldn't be prouder of you, Andy. And then Andy writes this. The source of a word determines its weight. Those were wonderfully weighty words, and his final words to me. I'll miss him every day until I see him again. The source of a word determines its weight. God's 
word all scripture. All scripture is God's word to us. But think of it in the context that Paul's writing these words to us today. It was Paul's last words to Timothy, to the churches he served, and to you and me. These were God-breathed words through the Apostle Paul's heart and mind and ultimately his hand or his scribe's hand, however he got that done, right? But the main focus today, friends, the main focus, these God-breathed scriptures, these sacred writings, which point to the gospel, all scripture points to the gospel, the hope that we have in Jesus, even in times of change and transition. Amen? Let's not erode the foundation of scripture is never going away. It's never going away. We may wrestle with it. We may challenge it. We may study it. But it's never going away. The solid foundation, it's anchored in the promises of God. Eternally secure bridge from death to life. It's what points us to Jesus. You know, when I was growing up, I went up to our mountain cabin several times. And can you picture that iconic mountain stream, right? Clear water, cold as all get out, running over those stones, right, that had been rounded over the years. And there was two places we could tr cross that stream. One was a big oak tree that fell over, right? And as a young teenager, no problem crossing the stream. Had no, I had never a doubt that that oak tree was going to break. Never. It's probably still there, <laughs> But then there was a crossing with a little rope on it with just a small little tree that my brothers and I would love to try to go across that stream. It never broke, but let me tell you, we didn't want to fall in that water. And friends, Scripture is that big oak, right? That big oak secured forever that allows us to cross over from death to life. The gospel is what Scripture proclaims. The gospel is what is so meaningful to each and every one of us. And we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. We need to be reminded as we read and engage Scripture that the gospel matters. That sin's debt has been paid. Once and for all, through Jesus' sacrificial death and his resurrection from that death on the cross and burial in the tomb, the resurrection ushers in a new creation, a new reality, allows us to cross over from death to life. This new creation and reality takes birth in the lives of those who transfer the trust of their lives into the hands of Jesus, the good shepherd who deeply knows and cares for his flock. And he cares for that one sheep that gets left behind or that goes astray. We receive by Jesus' grace and through faith eternal hope in Christ Jesus. And because he lives, we can live also. Christ is risen. Ah, we did that not even on Easter. I love it. 
And because he lives, we can live also. The gospel means good news. Some of you know that. Does this sound like good news to you? Not only to your ears and to your mind, but to your heart and soul. Is this good news that Jesus loves you? That he died for you? This is what all of the sacred writings, the holy scriptures that God's word points us to. It's what Paul wanted to remind Timothy of. Don't lose sight of the good news of the gospel, even though all this stuff is going on. And so in today's text from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, Paul focused his interest on Timothy. He transitions from all this yucky stuff is going on in the church and in the world, but yet Timothy... This is a personal word, these weighty last words from Paul to his adopted son, Timothy. He reminded Timothy of their longtime acquaintance and appealed to his loyalty to follow Paul's example of preaching the gospel. To Paul, this was also loyalty to Jesus. You follow my example, you're being faithful to Jesus. As I mentioned, false teachers were out there everywhere. He was to focus on the proper teaching and was to pass the gospel truths on to faithful, committed followers of Christ. Keep up the good work, Timothy. Follow my lead, even when I'm not here. And so, friends, let's listen not only with our ears today, but with our hearts To these words from Paul to Timothy, Scripture, God's word to us today. Verse 10 says this. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, Sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He didn't edit that out, by the way. What did did Paul just tell us? In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So as, as false teachers were in the church deceiving, they had no idea that they were already, by their deceiving, were also being deceived, being drawn farther away from the truth and saving love of Jesus. Verse 14, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Don't miss that. What is the purpose of scripture? To make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What a gift that is. 
And Paul isn't just talking about what Timothy learned from him. He's pointing back to dear grandmother Lois and dear mother Eunice. From probably about age five, taught their young son Timothy God's word. God's word as they knew it and they had it at that point. Who can you pause and think back to that poured into you? Who were some of those mothers and grandmothers of the faith that took time to teach you, to be patient with you? Oh, I remember Mr. Bill Hellinger, my middle school Sunday school teacher. Oh, my goodness, he has to be a saint. He has to be a saint. Mr. Bill would just sit there on Sunday mornings and teach us right out of God's word, almost like Charles Stanley held his Bible, right? His big Bible when he preached. He would sit there in a chair and read and teach us all the while, all the while middle school boys are doing what middle school boys do, pay strict attention to every Sunday school lesson for all 50 minutes. But who poured into you? Who can you give thanks for? And did you hear it? Oh, did I finish? I didn't finish reading, did I? No, I almost missed the most important part. Oh my gosh. Verse 16. Lucas is keeping me honest back there. Thank you. What does verse 16 say? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the capstone. That's the oak tree. That is undergirding all that Paul wants to pass on to Timothy. Scripture is going to point you to the good news of the gospel. Scripture is going to point you to Jesus. Do you hear that? Do you trust it? No matter what, Jesus loves you. The good shepherd walks with you always, and by his grace, he extends his nail-scarred hands to you. Take them, friends. Paul wanted Timothy to hold on to the hands of Jesus no matter what, even though the persecutions were going to come. And so, friends, as hard as it is to think about the betrayal and arrest and the cross of Jesus, the cross matters. The cross matters so much. As Jesus went to the cross, all four Gospels testified to the insults that were hurled at him. And they also mention, all four Gospels, some more than others, mention about two rebels or two criminals that were also on either side of Jesus. What's the charge that was being leveled at Jesus? So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Friends, thanks be to God, Jesus did not come down from the cross. Amen? He had to stay on the cross for you and for me. The cross matters. But the Gospels point to those who passed by hurled insults at him. The chief priests and the teachers of the law hurled insults at him. Soldiers hurled insults at him. 
And Matthew 27, verse 44, and Mark 15, verse 32 says, in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults at him. Luke 23, beginning with verse 32, sets the scene this way. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place of the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Those around the cross divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Friends, there was a change of heart. Matthew and Mark testify to the fact that both criminals started hurling insults at him, but somehow the Holy Spirit got a hold of this other criminal. Verse 40 of Luke 23. But the other criminal rebuked his friend. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished just, justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Probably one of the most Kairos moments that I have seen this better preached than anyone is Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg, he has an Irish accent. And I want to show you a two-minute, 26-second clip of this scene that I just said. Lucas? Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense... I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you, were, you, were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? 
That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you, <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Angel. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are you, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Guys, said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. <laughs> now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. <laughs> but what hit me, and I must have watched that 20 times so far, and you can go home, all you Googlers out there, if you Google that, you'll have 20,000 versions. You can watch that right there. But friends, I just can't get away from the man on the middle cross said I could come. Do you know Jesus? Do you believe that his word points to Jesus? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, Paul says this, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in the suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Can anybody say, wow? Those of you who went to Israel for me, who am I imitating? Our guide, Mike. Yes, every time there was that, you know, say, wow. Before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through what? The gospel. It all comes back to the gospel. Oh, the beauty and the saving power of the gospel. The man on the middle cross invites you to receive it today. And as we close today, let me share this brief story. And maybe I related to it as a person, and maybe you can too. A lady bears this testimony. It may seem a small thing, but a stranger invited me to take the empty seat beside her in the front row of a concert. I arrived early, fully expecting to get a good seat, but everyone else in the audience apparently had the same thought. The few seats remaining by the time I arrived were directly in front of the large speakers, right where you want to sit in a concert, right? which of course blocked a significant segment of the stage, let alone was going to give me plenty of volume. No seats were assigned, but as I was a bit shy about walking and looking around for other vacancies and didn't recognize any familiar faces, I sat by the speakers, which is exactly what I would have done. <laughs> Not three minutes later, a lady came up to me and asked if I'd like to use the vacant seat beside her, front row center, one of the best seats in the house. It was absolutely lovely 
of her. And so, friends, Jesus, the man on the middle of the cross, fully God, fully human, wants you to have the best seat in the Father's house. But please don't take my word for that truth. The sacred scriptures, the the sacred writings, the ancient words of the Bible tell us so. They tell us so. Paul's last words to Timothy again, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know that from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Scriptures tell tell us about the two criminals, the two rebels, and Jesus. The scriptures tell us about the saving news of the gospel. The scriptures tell us but before the beginning of time, God has reached out and grabbed you and invited you into his forever family. And so this morning, I would pray that you would be bolder than I would be at a concert and get up out of that seat and move to a spot where you can see the stage perfectly, that you could see the room that God has prepared for you not obscured, not off to the side, but you're welcome in the Father's house. This I know because the Bible tells me so. About 12 years ago, I was at a small church conference in Montreat, North Carolina. And one of the songs that I was introduced there was called Ancient Words. And I thought it'd be very fitting to close with this hymn. And if you don't know it, that's fine. Just let it wash over you the truth and power and hope of these ancient words of the gospel. Dear Jesus, we love you and we thank you for who you are. And we thank you that you invite us to come just as we are to you. So thank you for Paul's last words to Timothy, reminding him and reminding us that the gospel matters, that scripture matters. And even though everything else around us may be in state of flux and transition and change, your gospel truth holds true now, and it will until you come again. And then for all eternity. And so we give you thanks and praise for who you are, Jesus, and for your word to us and for us each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.